Hey team, this is Alexandra Eidenberg. I am here today with George Brassy, and you are listening to The People with me, Alexandra Eidenberg. George became a fast friend when I learned that he was all about women's rights and protecting a woman's right to choose, and I'm thrilled to have him here today. George, hey. give us the 30-second spiel on who you are and what you have going on. Thanks, Al. Uh, my name is George Brassy III. I'm the founder and owner of True Heights Treatment, a group psychotherapy practice headquartered in Chicago Heights, Illinois. And I'm also um, serving the residents of the Fifth Ward in the city of Chicago Heights on the city council as the alderman. I love that. You are doing fantastic things in our community. And I know that right now we're all at this crazy juncture with the pandemic. And so tell me a little bit more about how you ended up getting involved in the community. How did those roots begin for you? Sure. So I've been interested in politics and elected office and campaigns um, since an unhealthy age, probably about seven or eight years old. And I knew I was going to run uh, for office in the city of Chicago since I was about 12 years old. It starts back um, to go way back. I think I was about seven or eight years old. I went to Dallas, Texas uh, to visit an uncle and went to the Dealey Plaza and the Sixth Floor Museum and really became enthralled with the Kennedy assassination at a very uh, young age. And then, uh, so that's where that became, did very well with social studies and the like um, in grade school and junior high. And then my mother, Cindy Brassy, was actually a member of the school board where I went to school at in Chicago White School District 170 for probably... 12 years. So uh, that's one of the reasons I felt really connected to you, Al, when I first met you, because I see that you brought your kids to almost every political event uh, possible. And I used to have to do that with my mom uh, at, a, at a much young, younger age. So I think that's where it begins with me. I love it. The multi-generational brassy is involved in the community. So interestingly, I too have always wanted to be engaged in politics from a very young age. And you'll appreciate that it was around the same age that I also got excessively and or overly engaged. I started doing a lot of work with the local committee person and the local alderman. Um, and my parents were schlepping me to various things. But at the age of five, I would always get a pep talk before getting out of the car. And it was don't raise your voice, don't hit your brother, and for the love of God, don't tell anybody you want to be mayor of Chicago. And so at a very young age, I began talking about becoming mayor of Chicago. And as I got er as I got older, I realized I definitely did not want to be mayor of Chicago and how hard that is. And I realized that the work of the mayor and aldermen is extremely hard, and it's really about that day-to-day -day work. And so you were doing um, so much work in um, the resources you guys provide. Tell me a little bit more about being an alderman and what you're working on right now for your community. Sure. For context, I've been um, I've been the alderman. It'll be three years this upcoming June. So three of my four-year term, I'm already uh, almost done with. So um, I decided to run and uh, run against my opponent, um, Alderman Rich Amadio, who had been an alderman for two years, or I'm sorry, two terms prior. And I felt he was doing a terrible job. Um, I thought that I could provide much better representation and bring a lot more to the city council than he was uh, doing. It was a brutal campaign. It was definitely a trial by fire. Um, I went through the petition objections. I had to go to court. Um, 
they were my opposition was was doing everything possible to beat me and uh, i just kept steadfast pushing forward i kept telling people my story about how this was something that you know has been in my heart since i was like 12 years old for the city um so with that all being said since i've got onto the council um all the people that were initially opposed to me we've been able to kind of bury the hatchet and you know work uh towards building the city out one of the things that i'm very interested in is um making the city safer to bike and walk in uh one of the problems in chicago heights is it's a car dominated place um the city just for context was uh it was founded and incorporated in 1893 as um, an overflow place for the chicago's world fair and um if you were to think about where Jackson Park is now to where Chicago Heights is now, everything in between that was undeveloped farmland, rural area. So Chicago Heights kind of rose um, in a time that gave it a lot of advantages. But as the country's changed and society's changed, Chicago Heights also has had some of the problems of uh, being an American city. So with all that said, I'm passionate about making the city better to bike and walk in because we are stuck in a car dominated place. We do have a lot of issues with safety on our roads and um, it's been a constant battle. It's probably the issue that's defined my uh, my first term. But uh, those are some of the things that I'm passionate about as alderman. It's amazing how transportation and access to streets and sidewalks is so important for so many communities. Just in the area that I'm in, they have redone several paths and there's a big crew of people trying to get extra sidewalks put in. So there is easier walkways. Where the local high school is for children in our area, there's a very unsafe area where they have to walk over a highway in order to get to school. And there's not access to crossing guards or safe passage through that path, even though it's the fastest path to get to school. And so transportation has seemingly been an issue for every community, for every alderman for a long time. Are, tell me a little bit more about your community and their need for that access. And so I think of when people need access to walking and to biking, that it's becoming even more important as we consider transportation. So did your community lead that? Are they asking for that? Is that why that became the focus of your campaign and really the founding block of your first term? Well, I would say that it was primarily my own interest because I'm an avid cyclist myself and I see all the problems on a daily basis just riding around town. Um, there, So a little more context with Chicagoites. So the, the place is very car oriented. Um, two of the transcontinental highways, which predate the interstate expressway system, Lincoln Highway Route 30 and Dixie Highway Route 1, intersect within the city. So it's a very busy intersection. Um, but our community is uh, disadvantaged in the sense that there is very little uh, safety or uh, protection for people walking or on bikes. But our community is also disadvantaged economically. So there's a lot of people who have no other option besides being able to bike or walk to work or wherever they have to go. So um, it's a dual thing. I personally believe that it's, an, it's a top three issue for the city. Um, but it's very hard to organize around this topic because the folks that are primarily walking or biking are doing it not out of privilege like I, I do personally. 
Yes, access to transportation is critical for work, access to food, so many things come into play. And in car-dominated areas where there's socioeconomic challenges, it becomes really critical to have that access. Thank you for the work that you're doing on that. And I know that, you know, you got the alderman stuff going on, you have your business where you're a therapist. This pandemic has created a mental health crisis. And for the first time ever, mental health is being seen through a new lens. It is being more respected than ever before. It is being covered better by insurance than ever before. Tell us a little bit more about your practice and what you're working on and the things that you're doing there. Sure. Uh, my practice, True Rights Treatment LLC, is a, a group practice made up of me, uh, two of my associates, and our secretary. Um, we have experienced a huge increase in demand since the, the pandemic began. Um, I had been practicing on my own for about a year and a half um, in March of 2020. And uh, I went from maybe seeing three or four new clients a month to almost 20 new clients every month consistently. Um, the pandemic has really changed uh, a lot of things with my line of work. For example, uh, prior to March of 2020, I had never done anything remote or online as far as therapy. And now it makes up almost 85% of my practice. Um, so things have definitely changed quite a bit. Um, it has made me have to increase the scope of the practice and try to find other people to join. And that's not something that I initially wanted to do. Business growth is a fantastic yet challenging thing. As a fellow small business owner, there's always those ebbs and flows. And right now, I know that in your industry, the pipeline is fast and heavy, which comes with the good and bad. Um, interestingly, you know, you spoke about biking. We're talking about mental health. A lot of people utilize exercise or ways to have that alone time in order to recenter and have really good mental health. I'm going to go on a limb and assume that your biking is a great way for you to recenter and appreciate that time with yourself. I personally do a lot of running. I run um, around 40 miles a week and do a lot of walking as well. And for me, it's very therapeutic and it allows for me to create space for myself and really recenter. What are some of the kind of simple ways that folks can, you know, focus on their mental health, put it at the forefront of their, of their day? What are some of your best tips for focusing on your mental health? I think exercise is a very important, um, spending time with friends and family who you can support you is very important. Um, when people ask me this question, I always want to tell them, well, I think you should just make an appointment with like a therapist and sit on the couch and kind of see what that's like for you. Um, and because even people who are not um, severely depressed or severely anxious, I feel can benefit just by talking it out, um, even if it's a minor stress compared to uh, some more extreme condition. The majority of Americans like three out of four would meet the criteria for some level of some mental health diagnosis. So the likelihood that somebody wouldn't benefit is lower than the likelihood that they would. Um, another thing I always advise people to do is look into your insurance policy. Um, mental health has to be covered uh, according to the Affordable Care Act. Um, look into your employee assistance program at your job. Uh, that's a great resource that a lot of people uh, can use to get free therapy. I love that. So obviously, you know, I sell health insurance for a living. And so I have the opportunity to help people look up doctors, help them gain that access. And your best mental health tip was to really see somebody, 
get on the couch or get on that virtual couch. And I think so often it's that first step that's so hard for people and finding that person to talk to. So I love that your your biggest tip is just to encourage that. And I, you know, I grew up in a good Jewish family. So we've been sitting on couches with therapists from like day one. And so for me, it's been so commonplace, but in a lot of communities and a lot of cultural groups, it's not always as accepted to get mental health services. And now with access through healthcare, it's even better. A lot of plans even have low or no dollar co-pays to go in. And so I'm always encouraging people, even if they're just randomly having a stressful call with me, at the end, I just kind of gently remind them that there's access to mental health care on their plan. And if you need us to look somebody up, we can. This pandemic has just been so challenging for many. And so it's interesting how your recommendations also tie into why the pandemic made it so hard. And one of your big recommendations was to surround yourself with family and, and friends that you care about and that care about you. And the pandemic made it so we couldn't easily do that. Suddenly our circle shut down. Suddenly that ability to lean on the people you did was gone. And many of us have grown accustomed like we are now to connecting virtually, but it still made it harder to have that safety net of those relationships. And that's really ties in right where mental health services jump in. And so thank you for doing the hard work. I really feel like your job is the hardest of them all. I can't imagine to talking to 20 people a week who are relying on me to feel better and to feel confident. And so thank you for having your practice and growing your practice during such an important time. I want to learn about your family though. So you're helping all these other people. You're helping the communities as an alderman. You're helping your clients as a therapist. Tell us about your family and what you have going on at home. Yeah. With, without my amazing wife, Sarah, none of that would be an option. Uh, she kind of we met, she's also a therapist too, but she doesn't work at my practice. Uh, we met at a, at a job together where we were both like uh, addictions counselors. And uh, she, I sold her on the dream of, you know, running for office in Chicago Heights. And, you know, she was on board with living there because uh, she was not from there originally. Uh, I sold her the dream on the practice and she's been the biggest supporter and encourager uh, possible. There's no way I would have been able to kind of pull this off or have any success without her helping me out uh, way back when, when I first started. And then um, I have a son, George Brassy IV, who uh, is two years old and he is a handful and we've got him in preschool finally. And that has taken a big load off uh, our back, but it's amazing to be a father. It's not something that I had ever thought would happen but uh, I've got him and then I've got another one coming in in April. I love that. It, growing your family is always a fantastic process and it takes a good team. And I'm glad to hear that you and your wife are so supportive of each other. A lot of couples that are th like, if one's a therapist, the other's a therapist. I happen to have a lot of clients where it's couples that are therapists. I can only imagine how your dinners are going. Um, lots of excitement there. What is your best parenting tip? Tell us. You know, this question gave me so much anxiety when you sent me it initially because I was unsure since I've, you know, I've only been a parent for two years, what to say. But I would say the thing that has been the biggest help for us as new parents would just be um, having the support and the reliability of our parents, um, my in-laws and my parents, uh, to help kind of raise the kid and watch the kid. And, you know, they'll take him off 
you know, my hands if if we need something to do something on Friday night, like no questions asked. So my biggest tip would be to try to get a relationship uh, in a close relationship with the grandparents to help you raise it. Because I grew up in a family that my grandparents lived a block away from me my entire life. So they were always in involved with us. So uh, that's my tip. George, I love learning that your family is so tight knit and that you guys are this multi-generational family. You also clearly have four Georges in the family. Yes. You're the third, your son's the fourth. What I would love is if you could recommend to my parents that they hang out with my kids. What I've learned is that when you have four kids in three years, it's a little bit harder to ask the grandparents to stop by on a Friday, but I'm working on them on it. So um, my parents are amazingly helpful and always there. However, I think that they put the babysitting category at the tail end of things that they appreciate and they would much prefer to send over an Amazon package or a lovely meal. Uh, and I feel that grandparents create such a wonderful place for our children. And I'm so grateful to have um, both sides, my husband and my side there to be with our kids, but we've not gotten to the babysitting component yet. So um, I'll have to lean on you more for this fantastic parenting tip. And thank you for your time. It's been amazing to be with you and a delight to learn more about you and all the work you're doing in our communities. I'm Alexandra Eidenberg, and this is The People with me. Thanks for joining us today, George. Thanks for having me.